0: The nefesh How do we say that in English? The rational soul, right? Does the text actually use the words rational soul? Nope. No. So where did we see an allusion to the idea of a rational soul in the text? It says Adam. It says Adam, the person, right? And the person is doing something relative to his divine soul, relative to his animal soul. That implies the person is neither of the, neither of the two. Okay, and we spoke about the idea of fortifying the Divine Soul, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea of fortifying the Divine Soul in this sense means that the rational soul and the Divine Soul develop a relationship which would be analogous to what, remember? Teacher and a student. Teacher and a student, right, right, master, disciple, teacher, student, right. Um, And did we just, we, we also discussed fighting the war, yes? Yeah. We didn't say a lot about it. We did not say a lot. But this war, right? What is the We spoke about what is the goal of the war. What is the goal of the war? Against the animal soul? Getting the evil out. Getting the evil out of the animal soul, right? So this is, it is not against the animal soul in its entirety, but getting rid of the evil, right? So it is a war that is fought with um, overt aggression and power, or does it need to be more cunning and diplomatic? Right, way. because to to get out what is negative while keeping what you what is necessary requires some level of discernment, some level of sophistication. Okay. Now, what I want to first talk do is talk about the idea that there's evil in the animal soul. Before we get to what the evil is, what do you think the definition of evil is? And without describing the animal soul, what, what the evil and the animal soul says, what makes the evil evil? What, what, what characteristic is it, is, does it have that makes it, that there should be a war fought to get rid of it? If you say it's evil, it's bad, you're not answering my question. What um, makes it so false? Yeah, well, if it's false, mm-hmm. so Fals this is a war true. of truth against falsehood. It's against Hashem. It's against Hashem. Okay, it's very altruistic.
1: A like, it has a
0: negative effect on. It has an effect on some what? Effect
1: on someone. What that? something
0: That's right. Someone, something. But someone Hashem. said Hashem. Well,
1: yeah, I don't
0: I mean, like that answer. Why do you think i like that? I don't like that answer. It's too in-person. It has negative effects on yes. what?
1: Yes.
0: Well, well, the Jew has it? a divine soul, right? So, it's not that you're wrong that it has negative effects. It's, it's, it, it, it's against Hashem, but but the, the the real focus of this is that it's is um, is that it's negative for the divine soul, which obviously correlates with being negative against Hashem. But I want to pause a little bit and talk about that because this is going to be very important. Who's fighting war? Which soul is fighting this war? What? Is that what the text says. The rational, the rational soul. Right? The rational soul fortifies his divine soul and wages a war against his animal soul, right? So who's fighting the war? The person, the rational soul. Well, why is the rational soul so against whatever this evil is? Well, that's the result of the rational soul being a disciple, being a student of the divine soul. Okay. So There are elements of the animal soul which are negative or evil or harm for the divine soul. Now, ultimately, that's true. That means it's against Hashem. But if we take the divine soul out of the picture, would those same elements seem to be negative to the rational soul? No. So, therefore, would it feel any need to fight against them, to eradicate them, to destroy them, to get rid of them? No. Okay. So, let, let, let's, let's step out of the text for a minute and let's, let's flesh this out a little more concretely. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I want your reflections on the story, okay? There was once a Jew, Chasid, who had a spiritual fall. He was on a certain level of service of God, of relation with God, and he fell spiritually. He was not where he was. Has that ever happened to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So he went to his Rebbe It was the third Chabad Rebbe The Tzemaq And The Tzemaq Pulled an apple out of his drawer An apple And the Tzemaq asked him Do you want the apple? And the Chal said yes He said would you enjoy eating the apple? He said yes you really want to eat the apple? He says, Yes, it looks delicious. And then Sema Chassidic said, How could it be that a successor of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov could want to, to eat an apple? And at that point, the Chassid became revolted by the apple and his spiritual state was restored. That's the end of the story. Your reactions, please. What? <laughs> doesn't that story resonate with you?
1: No, it's <laughs> very strange.
0: Doesn't it resonate with anybody?
1: No, it
0: doesn't. No volunteer? Nobody? My okay. first
1: thought was, um, was like, oh, is the apple a symbol for like the and you should be creating <laughs> that sin? But I feel like that's not. How? could you want something so tangible as a
0: What's so bad about wanting to eat an apple? I'm ask you, like, what's... Has missed the ending. What? You missed the ending? Okay, the ending is that the, the, the Rebbe asks him, How could it be that a descendant, a successor of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Leib, Isaac, and Jacob, wants to eat an apple? And the Chassid was now so disgusted by the apple, he no longer had any desire to eat the apple. And his spiritual state was restored. What's so bad about eating an apple? There was no apple.
1: Or right. he ate the
0: forbidden fruit. It was forbidden fruit, but it wasn't an apple. Um Because, no. um it's
1: like if he ate the apple then he used to come into his evil desire of the animal soul.
0: The evil part of the animal soul. The evil part. That 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 makes sense too. The desire to eat apples, the evil part no, of the like, animal soul.
1: Not evil, but like
0: <laughs> Yes, it's evil to eat mean, apples.
1: No, but the reason it was
0: No, so then- oh, you were right the first time. Eating the apple is evil. Desiring right. to eat the apple is evil. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's definitely evil. Now let's go back. What do we say it eats evil for? It has a negative effect on the the godly soul. The godly soul. Okay. What does the godly soul desire?
1: God.
0: What's an apple? Not. God.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: So, what does desiring an apple mean?
1: Desire something other than
0: God. There you go. And, and, and for the godly soul, what is that?
1: Evil.
0: That's evil. That that is that is right. Now imagine like now what you have to do is you have to you what you have to do is imagine something that you can relate to in that way. Okay, it's not the same thing. So let's say for instance, what's something that you as a human being desire? That would be analogous to the way the godly soul desires God, right? That's deep down the only thing you really desire. But in a tangible way, you don't have to go mystical. Anyone? How about staying alive? Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty important thing, right?
1: Yes.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Are there things that take away from your life um, that are tempting? yeah yeah what smoking smoking yeah so how would you feel about the cigarette company trying to market the wonderful positive effects and social um, acceptance you'll get from smoking knowing full well that smoking actually detracts from your life and deep down what you really desire is to, to live how would you feel now about the cigarettes and the smoking and all of that when you put it in that perspective you wouldn't think of it too positively right How about companies marketing lots of sugary cereals to kids? Let's
1: say it has vitamin D it. How do you
0: you feel about that? The more you think about the effect it really has on the child's health and quality of life. Evil needs a point of reference, right? So if you're the godly soul and you're, the godly soul's total and only desire is for God, Then anything that allures the person away from that, no matter how banal and how mundane, how does the godly soul take that?
1: Serious offense.
0: It's a serious offense, right? It certainly inhibits and disturbs the godly soul's journey to discover and find and get closer to God. So what's the evil in the animal soul then? What is the evil in the animal soul?
1: Anything that is not God.
0: Well, so then isn't the entire animal soul evil? Do you understand my question? Of if you're saying it's the, the anything that's not God is evil as far as the godly soul is concerned, right? And that's the point of reference you're using. Then it's not. There's an aspect of the animal soul which is evil, which is what the text seems to be implying. It's the animal soul itself is evil. But that's not what the text says. Anything that's not for God, that, they that it wants,
1: like, for completely in a self-serving way. Nothing. The desire for anything but God is evil. The desire
0: for anything but God is evil. Is there more to the animal soul than desire? Yeah. yeah. So let's, let, let's actually examine this for a minute, okay? Um, have you ever stubbed your toe? Yes. Did you feel pain? Yes. Okay, is that pain the product of the, the rational soul, the divine soul, the animal soul? It, it's not, really not the body, right? Corpses don't, don't experience pain, right? So which of the souls is responsible for generating that painful experience when you stub your toe? Bamboo. Yeah. First off, let's stop. Make sure it makes sense, right? <laughs> a body absent a soul. We have another name for that. What's another name for body absent any soul? Or do corpses Cadaver. experience pain? Cadavers, corpses—they experience pain? No, but
1: that's because they don't have pain receptors anymore. It's well,
0: not. pain is a subjective experience, not a physical reality.
1: You mean they don't have nerves?
0: Wait, well, cadavers can't. have nerves.
1: What? But they're not,
0: they're they're not what? Not alive. Oh, and what makes something alive?
1: <laughs> so pain is, a qua-
0: pain is an aspect of living, right? Okay. Wait,
1: so the animals have a version of that. Sure. Like a function,
0: just function. Like sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, they stu- so an animal stubs their paw, it also experiences pain, right? You stub your toe, you experience pain. Okay. That makes sense, right? What would it be like if your animal soul did not experience pain when you stubbed your toe? How would that affect your life? Let's think about that for a moment. You could
1: possibly endanger your life without...
0: Well, at least your toe. I don't know. It depends how far this problem spreads, right? <laughs> You're
1: saying just... In- it was just, just the seven. toe.
0: It's just the toe. It was just the toe. The toe would be in danger. The rest of you would probably be okay, right? But what if you didn't experience, like, any physical pain? Dangerous. What? Dangerous. Yeah, you would destroy your body pretty quickly, right? Think about exercise. What would happen to exercise if you didn't experience physical pain? Would you know whether you're destroying your body? No, you wouldn't feel it, right? Okay. So, pain, it's, it's, it's quite a functional thing, right? Um, you ever had the need to burp? How that mean? I know it's a little embarrassing to talk about. Have you ever had the need to burp? Oh, okay. um, would you say that's one of the things you desire in life? <laughs> no. Like, no. like no. my desires in life involve.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: So, <laughs> there's maybe a desire to get rid of the pain that might do it, every right? Yeah. Um, why do people burp?
1: Because they're animals.
0: Themselves. Yeah, but, but why? <laughs> like, what's the burping?
1: There's too much excess air in their body. Yeah, there's
0: some excess air. Could be It could be any kind of gas, actually, right? Yeah. And um, there's some sort of that there's some sort of awareness of that that your animal soul facilitates that says, you know, you should probably allow yourself to burp right now, right? Because you could hold them in, right? You ever tried holding a burp in? Because you're like really embarrassed want to burp in the middle of like an important meeting or something?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That puts a lot of pressure on the inside. Okay. So we have all kinds of sensation, right? Hunger, need to go to the bathroom once Need to go to the bathroom, pain, right? How about vision, sense perception, right? All these things are features of the animal
1: soul. animal soul.
0: Are any of these things synonymous with desire? No. So what I want to do is I want to pull out desire and talk about desire as a distinct phenomenon. Because desire is not the totality of the animal soul. Yes, now you can answer your question. Okay. So. Is there
1: a desire to see?
0: Is that- right, there's seeing. And and is there's a desire to see. It's not the same thing. So what's desire distinct from pain, pleasure, um, itching, seeing, tasting sweet things, right? Those are different things than desire. What is desire? It's
1: chosen. What? It's
0: chosen. All your desires are chosen, you got see to choose what to. Yeah, like I'm, most of us, like, the desire for pain to end is pretty instinctual, right? Yes. So, but what is desire? you're
1: yearning for something, you want to get. You want to fill.
0: No, keep going. You want to fill. I was
1: going to say fill and eat, but it's like you're plunging. And, um,
0: There's some sense in which the thing that you desire, you have an, you have some kind of identification with. And so... At least there's a sense, whether it's true or not as a separate point, that when that desire is fulfilled sometimes how you'll be, we use this word, more whole, more whatever. And when that desire is unfulfilled, you're lacking in some way. That make sense?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Which is why, by the way, there are a lot of things you may even have urges to do, but we wouldn't really call it desire. Like, I would say most normal, healthy people, it's not really fair to use the word desire when talking about going to the bathroom. Like, at some point the body, like needs to go to the bathroom. And the animal soul provides us with the sensation that, you know, you should go to the bathroom or there will be consequences, right? But most of us consider that to be a concession if we think about it at all. But if we we do think, we would even go to the concession to the just biological functioning of the body, right? It's like, just to use a a, a more tangible metaphor for this, if the engine light goes on on your car and so now you know you have to take it for the mechanic right? most of us wouldn't say I desire to take my car to the mechanic right? i I, I, I conceding I'm accepting that it's got to get done because the car is not going to work right? and I have use for the car but I wouldn't really have that sense the same sense of I identify with the act of taking it to the mechanic and when that happens I feel some I at least anticipate i will feel some sort of fulfillment and if it doesn't happen I feel lacking it's much more of a pragmatic and technical thing does that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And what about hunger? Is Actually, hunger the same thing as the desire to eat? No. In fact, did you know in Jewish law, you're required to differentiate between hunger and the desire to eat? Why? Um, because there is a positive commandment to. Sanctify oneself, and there is a prohibition against gluttony. And the only way to perform those things is if you have some sort of internal sense of the difference between hunger and, I guess, what you would call appetite. I'm not going into it's not it's not the same as the laws of Shabbos, but if you look in the in the abbreviated code of Jewish law or or the or these code, codes, it does mention this idea that. Um, um, So the animal soul has this element of desire. So now, which part is fundamentally detrimental for the godly soul, or an opposition to the godly soul, is a negative from the point of view of the godly soul? Is hunger, as far as the godly soul is concerned, a negative thing? No. No, why? Because it
1: needs it in order to keep the body alive. Wrong. And uh, then the godly soul can't serve Hashem. Wrong. About wrong. What?
0: This is the, this is the animal, <laughs> this is the,
1: wrong. <laughs> it's wrong
0: because this is the animal soul trying to get some, have some propaganda so the godly soul will validate it. That's not the godly soul itself. The godly soul is very similar to other things. Okay, let me give you an example. There is a little child and they really, really want candy. And the parent has decided, for whatever reason, that they're not giving candy, right? And the parent child says, but I'm really upset, I want the candy. And the parent says, I know you want the candy. The child says, but I really want the candy. And the parent says, I'm aware that you want the candy. Right? There's a disconnect happening because in the, parent's, in the child's mind, I want the candy necessarily means I should get the candy, right? But in the parent's mind, the fact that you want the candy is just a, a statement of fact about the state of the child. Does that mean the child ought to get the candy? Not
1: necessarily.
0: Not necessarily. So what is hunger? What is, what is the animal soul doing when a person is hungry? Saying that
1: because I'm hungry.
0: No. The, what is the animal soul doing? Let's take out the desire. What is it hunger doing? Just hunger. It
1: kind of distracting What? Is it distracting you from the soul?
0: No. It's informing the person that the body needs food. But now there's a separate question, which is...
1: Is it going to do that in the
0: body? Does... Do... do uh, do I, as a person, or now, or does the godly soul feel that it's important to feed the body? Right, it's a separate issue. For instance, okay, um, on Yom Kippur, the godly soul has no interest in feeding the body, right? And on the day before Yom Kippur, the godly soul has an interest in feeding the body. Why? Because eating the day before Yom Kippur is a mitzvah. Eating on Yom Kippur is a sin, right? Okay. So, it would be nice if the if the the, the person right because the person that's actually running their life would be aware of whether the body needs food or not right because then they can make a decision whether or not they should give the body food or not based on the values and agenda of the godly soul right because we're talking about living life that way. And what if the agenda? What if, what if the what if what if the godly soul said like, no no God, it's very nice the body needs food but right now that's not what's important. Okay. All I got was just dry information, okay? But I'll give this in the the sense of a military. In the military, they have something called intelligence. What is the purpose of intelligence in the military? To give
1: information.
0: To give information, right? You know how intelligence officers get themselves in trouble?
1: When they give advice.
0: When they give advice. Take matters into
1: their own. That's
0: right. Your job is to make it that those who are the decision makers are informed as to the reality of what's going on. It is not your job to set the agenda. It is not your job to decide how the options and cost benefit benefits should be weighed, right? It's just that you should be aware of what's the reality. So when the animal soul is producing sensations of hunger, it's in simply informing the person that the body needs nutrition. It's not actually telling the person you should eat. What's the t- part that's telling you you should eat? That's the, des- that's the desire part. So there's two elements here. There's the hunger, and then there's the
1: exactly.
0: the desire. What's the hunger? Producing a sensation, the person knows the body is lacking food. So that is that is just a description of something. You are now aware of that reality. What then? The, then the rat, then the animal, soul does something else, which says, "And you should feed me." What's that?
1: Evil.
0: That's the desire part. Is it really need? Needs. This is this is this is one of my little spiels. I hate this thing about needs. Um, Needs are needs are just a way of saying things that are really important to me that I'm not willing to compromise on. And so, therefore, as you change your value system and your perspective, what happens to your so-called needs? Yeah. So needs are not in any like they're not an absolute thing. For instance, do you need to breathe? Really? What if you've decided that something that's really, really important that somebody um, jumps on the grenade before the, everybody dies because you don't want all your friends to die, so you jump on the grenade. At that point, you really need to breathe? No, you don't need to breathe anymore. You need to breathe assuming that you want to continue living, right? But if you don't want to continue living, like you made a choice that that's not what's important to you anymore, then do you need to breathe anymore? No. All needs presuppose that you have some sort of a value, some sort of an agenda, something you're trying to achieve, maintain, etc. right? And from there, stem the needs. Change that, what used to be needs are no longer needs. Do we need electricity? Yes, if we want to live a modern life, right? But do we need electricity in order to live a meaningful life? No. Right? So if I value living in a modern way, right? So then I need electricity. But if I don't necessarily value that, then I don't need electricity, right? Which is why some people are like, you know what? Fact, the more modern thing. Not really into it. Go live in the woods, off the grid. Right? How can you do that? You need electricity. Like, no, I know. Phil, so you
1: could say you could plug into the equation. You need food in order to not die at a result. Right.
0: And who says that you need to not die? Okay, but that's
1: what I'm saying. It depends on you. So,
0: you're that's right. So the equation is being determined by this other thing, which is the desires. Hunger is simply the sensation that the body is lacking food, okay? Pain is the sensation that the body is incurring some kind of a stress. There's different kinds of pain for different kinds of stresses, right? Okay, etc, 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 right? The engine light on the car is simply saying that if you don't take the engine to a car to a mechanic, the engine will likely stop working soon, right? Do you need to now take the car to the mechanic? Well, if you're, if you're fleeing the Sy- Syrian civil war and you're trying to get over the border to Turkey and you have 20 minutes to the border and the engine light goes on, do you need to take the car to the mechanic? No, you just need to keep driving. You right. know, the, the, there's, 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 there's the aspect that is descriptive of the reality and then there's the aspect which is prescribing what you should and shouldn't do. In the animal soul, the prescriptive aspect is the desires. I value this. So when I have this, I'll be better. I'll be whole. I'll be more. I'll be. I'll be good. And if I don't have it, then things are bad, and I'm lacking. But then there's a bunch of other stuff that the that the animal soul has as well. What is does it allows you to coordinate your body movements? Which soul is that? Animal
1: soul. Animal
0: soul, right? So basic sensation, both internal sensations such as things like pain. Hunger, tiredness, right? External sensation, right? Such as vision, hearing, right? Um, coordination, fine and gross motor skills, right? Um, the ability to process the world around you, right? So the ability to to um, have some kind of sense of spatial awareness and and that kind of things. There's a bunch of stuff that the animal soul does that is incredibly useful. Um, because what it does is it, is it, it allows for an interaction with, with reality. But now, those things are not actually driving anything. They're not motivating. Then there's this other aspect of the animal soul, which is the desire. Are you capable of doing math? What? <laughs> not very high-level math. Basic math. You know, mm-hmm. Addition, subtraction, multiplication. Are you ca- What? Just that. Okay. Do you desire to do it? Now, could you desire other things that necessarily require you to do the activity of math even though you don't actually desire it? Yeah. Right? Like, you don't desire to get your car, take your car to the car mechanic, but, you know, you desire other things and that requires it, so it's good that you have the thing that informs you, right? You may desire, I don't know, to live a financially stable life and so, for some strange reason, right? And so the fact that you're capable of doing math... In that sense, it's quite useful, right? But you don't have a desire to do math. Now, are the people who have a desire to do math?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Those people are crazy. Okay? Most and again, if you want a simple on a very simple biological level, think about the desire between putting food in your body and getting the food out of your body. Where where do most where do most people have a desire for? Getting the food in or getting the food out? In. In, right? Getting the food in, it's not just we have the sense that. The body needs an in, in, intake of food, we also have, feel a desire for that, right? Whereas the, when it's getting the food out of the body, we have an awareness and we're like well I, I probably should do it because I don't want the consequences of not doing it. But very few people actually have a desire to do that activity in and of itself. Okay, so the desire has to be seen as a separate dimension from the totality of the animal soul. Does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so every other part of the animal soul other than the desire is neutral it's not good it's not evil it's neutral okay very very simple yeah so uh, we're not saying that the animal soul is evil no we're not saying the animal soul is evil Just right and not even, I'm saying that the desire, the desire is, evil. is evil okay so what i want to do is i want to first talk about the part you that's not evil know. has a negative effect of, for okay. on something for this case the point of reference is the godly soul right because the Rational soul is a disciple of the godless soul now, at least. And when you said that it needs a point of reference, are
1: you saying it's otherwise it's like a
0: relative? Like a... I'm not just saying the concept itself means, needs a point of reference. Evil is defined as the negation of some, a negation or going against something, so we need to have what that something is. I'm not getting into the issue of moral relatives. Whether you're moral relativist or moral absolutist, it doesn't matter. Evil is a secondary concept that is in reference to some notion of a good. You first have to have a notion of a good, only then you can have a notion of an evil. So you could say the notion of good is God's will, and then everything against God's will is evil, right? You could say the notion of good is what makes me feel good, and then there's good. But evil as a concept is defined relative to a good. You have no good, you automatically have no evil. Does that make sense? Okay. Um a knife. Is a knife a good? The knife, the knife itself, the sharpness of the knife. let's be really more particular, it's neutral, right? The sharpness of the knife is neither good nor evil, right? right? There's. I don't think any of us have any sense of any any sense of a thing in which sharpness is something that intrinsically is valuable, right? And we don't have any sense of sharpness opposes something that we see as intrinsically valuable. So the sharpness is neither good nor evil, right? And when one has a knife, sharp knife, and they use it to cut a salad, most of us say, well, that's, a, that's, that's good, that's great, I like that. And if God forbid the knife would be used to murder somebody, we think that's pretty evil, right? So it has much more to do with our value of we're pro-salad and pro-life, and so cutting vegetables up for salad is good, cutting up people is bad, right? Minus the issue of surgery, good? Okay. So the fact that the animal's soul is what facilitates a vision, makes the person aware the body needs nutrition, makes the person aware that the body is sleep deprived. These are neutral things because they do not necessitate doing anything. They're just making something possible. Okay. Um, you ever heard the joke about the guy who's having hand surgery? He asked the doctor, um, if after the surgery I'll be able to play the violin? So the doctor says, yes. And the man says, well, that's amazing because I can't play it right now. <laughs> in other words, okay, like, like, I, I can't play the violin, right? So even if, even if there was some good in playing the violin, it would be unavailable to me, right? And if there's some bad in playing the violin, it's, it's also unavailable to me, right? That just reality doesn't exist, right? Okay, so seeing, feeding the body, Right? All these other things, they are intrinsically neutral because as far as the godly soul is concerned, they don't automatically go against God, but they are not automatically in alignment with God, right? It really depends on the specifics of the situation. Feeding the body erev Yom Kippur is godly. Feeding the body on Yom Kippur is not godly. godly. So the fact that the animal soul makes the person aware the body needs food is neither good nor bad. It's It's neutral. What? This is, no, it's not even Klipas Nogo. This is, this is, this is not Klipas Noga at all. This is. So Is
1: a different type of neutral
0: thing? Clebus Nogo is not neutral, it's a myth. It's a what? It's a myth that it's neutral, not neutral.
1: Mm-hmm. So what is
0: it? What? So, it's evil. Klipas oh wait, this stuff or the Klipas Which the one are you asking? Evil. Now, what about, this goodness? So, Now, let's pull out that one element of the animal soul called desire. If the animal soul desires, then whatever it desires is giving value and significance to something other than God. And how does that go together with the godly soul's desire for nothing other than God? Are those compatible or incompatible? Those are incompatible. Does that make sense? I mean that's not a comfortable idea to take seriously, but it should make sense. So it's to differentiate those two. Okay. If you don't understand it as now, because I'm gonna want to move on from that one. Wait, so once it
1: desires that thing,
0: then, then what was then just so the godly soul desires nothing other than God, and the animal soul desires stuff other than God. So are are those compatible? Think about what again, desire is not. Awareness, desire is not action. Desire is the sense that this is valuable, it completes me, without it I would be lacking, right? It has some kind of value to it. So, as far as the godly soul is concerned, the only thing that's like that is God. As far as the animal is concerned, there's a bunch of stuff that aren't God that are like that. Those are not compatible. And so, the presence of one comes at the expense of the other.
1: Unless you use your animal soul to experience that.
0: But which part of the animal soul are you using? using the desire part if I use my animal soul to serve God which part am I using your my, 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 my my motor skills right my sensations of pain my hunger right those are the things I'm not using the desire am I this is this is this is very important when you use your animal soul to serve God right so give an example like I'm using my animal souls to serve God. I'm eating Arab and Kippur. I'm eating the Arab and Kippur, right? If we took the desire part out of it, would I still be serving If I didn't desire to eat, I was just hungry and fed with my body. Would I still be serving God? Yeah. yeah. So desire is not relevant there. I don't need the desire. So which part of it is shown by
1: fasting?
0: It just says we're shown by fasting. That's from a Different chapter, different. right? Different chapter. Okay. It's like
1: not very well. Like if something detracts, it's still an ego concept. If something takes away from the focus of the body so I just don't see how
0: that equals people. I'm well we have, con- right. we have to think of the con see the one of the so let me let me step out of this because this is important. There's two ways to use language. I mean there's more, but we're gonna broaden this movie One way to use language is for the purpose of evoking a certain mm-hmm. kind of emotional response. One second. The other way is that you're trying to convey something conceptual. Now,
1: that's
0: the way to define something. Yeah, define something. For in English, I think for most of us, we would only use the word evil usually in the first sense. Whereas when you call something evil, you don't mean that in some sort of like conceptual notion of evil. What you mean to say is that's really bad. We shouldn't like it. So then, either you have to do the job of really inspiring me a sense of real disdain for the thing, or I won't accept your fact that you're calling it evil, right? But now, if I think about evil as a, as a concept, so what is evil? Let's talk about the concept of evil. What is the concept of evil? Depends on
1: who's talking.
0: About. No, no, no. That's what the is evil. The opposite of good? The opposite of good, right? Now, we can then have an open question, is it the absence of good, the negation of good, right, there's different kinds of opposites, but let's set that aside. Well, if it's the opposite of good, now let's ask the good, what's the definition of good as a concept? Now, if you say something which is the opposite of evil, now we ran into a circle, so that's not, that's not gonna work. So give me some other way of getting at a basic notion of good. What? What? If you have a sense that something is good, you, how do you relate to that? Positive.
1: Positively.
0: Positively, right? right? So when we think of something as good, we think it of it as desirable, valuable, right? It is, it, it, right? But,
1: no, but you could desire and find value in something that's not good. right? Well,
0: that's because we are very complex beings, right? You're, so how,
1: we can't define good as some, some, no, something No, 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 okay,
0: okay nice. We're not talking about the things, we're talking about concepts. There's concepts, there's things, there's words. Don't confuse them. What's this? Thing. What is this? It's a cup. No, it's a piece of plastic. What is this?
1: It's plastic.
0: No, it's a cup. What is this? A
1: plastic cup. What is this? Plastic cup. It's a polymer. It's, it's a
0: polymer. What's this?
1: It's a toilet.
0: We you, you can go on and on from day till tomorrow. And whatever you say, I'll come up with a different answer, right? Because These are different ways of conceptualizing it, right? We're trying to fit the thing with a concept in our mind, right? Okay, so concepts exist where? But then there's the actual thing itself, okay? Now, um, candy bars, are they good or are they evil?
1: Like
0: well... Habit. I'm going to start very simply, okay? Living, living, continuing to live, we have a sense that that's something that's valuable. The functionality of that life, we have a sense that the more functional we are, that's valuable, right? So the duration, quality of life is valuable. The effect of eating candy bars on that is negative. Therefore, I would conceptualize eating candy bars as the negation of a good and therefore I could label it conceptually as a evil. On the other hand, we also have a sense, right, that pleasurable experiences are good. something, right? They're also good, and candy bars induce a pleasurable experience, and therefore in that sense a candy bar is a good. Now, did you notice I didn't change the basic concept of good and evil, right? A good is a what? something that is valued, desirable, it should be attained, maintained, etc. and an evil is something that negates that in some way. Just changes the oh, right, but now the problem is, and this the question is, what is the perspective I use to ascertain a good or the good, and then that will alter what my notion of evil is, right? But the basic notion of good and evil aren't changing, right? So when an atheist says believing in God is evil, And the religious person says atheism is evil. They're actually not arguing about the meaning of the word evil. What are they arguing about? What's evil? They're actually not arguing about what's evil. Let's go. They're actually arguing about. Believe. Well, evil is defined in terms of a good, right? So, what are they really arguing about?
1: What is better? What is good?
0: What is what is what is good, right? For some notion of the atheist has of what good is that he sees a belief in God in, in contradiction to that, right? There's some notion of the believer that he sees that denial of belief in God as an evil relative to that, right? So there's, there's, a set, so there's something about how they see, experience the world that caused them to see different things as good. Okay? Now, I'm not getting to the question whether there is an actual objective truth to good or not that's like not the topic of the class because it's all about an internal process. So now, for the godly soul, what is the only good? God. God. right? And therefore the only notion of desire as far as the godly soul is concerned would be God because God is the only thing desirable, okay? What does the animal soul see as desirable, as good?
1: Like skin. Thing.
0: Things other than God, right? So now, if you adopt the godly soul perspective, what does that make the animal soul's desires? Evil, evil. In because in re- that's exactly the point. In reference to the godly soul, the animal soul's desires are evil. But now here's the thing: as I live my life as a human being, am I really living in that place? Is that is that is that my subjective experience of what good is really? Is just God? No, and therefore when I hear a story about. How it's unbecoming and evil to eat an apple or to, to, to desire an apple, I don't resonate with that at all because I think, like, it's not going to kill me, I'm not stealing it from anybody. Like, what's so bad? Like, what good is it eating the apple, desiring the apple actually? More, but what good is desiring the apple in negation of? But what the altar was saying is that if you have a person, meaning a rational soul, Who has become a true disciple of the godly soul, right? They will now also have the view that the desires of the animal soul go against what is good. Because they're desiring things, placing value on things other than God, and that goes against the sense of the godly soul, that the only thing that is good, the only thing that is desirable, the only thing that's worth valuable is God Himself. So the part, the element of the animal soul is its desiring quality. The fact that it desires, it yearns, it it thirsts, it hungers, not hungers in the sense of like, I feel hungry, but hungers in the more psychological sense. That's its evil. It's the fact that it produces bodily awareness, coordination, all those things, those are neutral because those don't necessarily stand in a for or against relationship with the desire of the godly soul. Now, we we'll take a step out of this for a second. What would happen if you go around trying to kill, kill your human capacity for desire? How do you think that's going to affect you as a person? That would nuts. Nice. Nope. It won't drive you nuts. Far worse than that. It,
1: it'll kill you.
0: It will kill you. Literally. It'll like, without joking. It, it will kill you. If we get rid of our human capacity yeah. for desire. Why? because desire, right, because remember the, the desire that motivates everything, right? If I am hungry, like I know that I'm lacking in food, but I have no desire to take care of my body, no desire to live, right, then I just won't eat. And that won't be very, good, you know, as far as those of us who value living are concerned. Okay. Is this text in any way advocating the removal of desire? Yes. Think about it for a moment. Think about what we've said and think, is that what it's advocating? So then the rational soul, the human being, has become a disciple of their godly soul and is fighting a war against the animal soul to remove the evil. So now if we plug into that equation what that really means. So the, what, does it, what is the godly soul after? What does the godly soul desire? The rational soul has become a disciple of the godly soul. What does the rational soul therefore desire? God, right? in a way that approximates as much as possible the godly soul and facilitates the godly soul's desire for God, right? And so now it's fighting a war against what? Against the animal soul's So are we talking about the eradication of desire, per se? No. We're talking about doing what? Replacing one desire. With another. What desire is being removed? The, the animal soul which is a desire for anything other than God and it's being replaced with a desire for God. Is that going to threaten the person? Yes. Why?
1: Because, well, a beast has got the animal souls, just the physical. Why? Because you cannot live on this earth at least with only the God's desires.
0: Why? Have you ever taken medicine? Yeah. Does it always taste good? No. Do you still take it? Yes. Why? Because it's necessary for your health. So you can be aware that you need to do something, but you have no desire for the thing yourself, thing itself you're doing, right?
1: Wouldn't it make it incredibly hard for you if you have
0: no desire for it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it might. One second, one second. You know the difference between adults and children? What do adults spend most of their time doing? That's right. But they should. not Why? Is it? Is it a terrible life to do things you don't want to do? No. Terrible? No.
1: Yeah. Always. It's gross.
0: What's terrible is doing, doing stuff you don't want to do right? and resenting it. But if you're doing stuff that you don't want to do, but you're not resenting it, right? For instance, there's many things that we don't want to do and we just like move on. Like, okay. so it's like you take out the trash, you go to the bathroom, you do your laundry. It's like, okay, fine, whatever you want, right? So, would it be the end of the world if eating was in that category? If making money was in that category? There's just, like, there's a bunch of stuff that we uh, we obviously, like, I I would like to be healthy. Like, it's just on the So I have a desire to be healthy, right? I have a desire to do things that are interesting and fun, right? And I'm aware that in order for all that stuff to happen, I have to do other stuff that, that's necessary for that. I don't desire those things, but I do them. So if you just put more and more things into that category, it wouldn't really change your ability to function in the world if you have maturity. It, it But that presupposes that a person is coming for a place is that a, 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 the, the, the enjoying the activity that I'm doing is not the purpose in life. Now if you remember back to we spoke about how there was the rational soul, right? And what is the rational soul sense that life has something that has to be justified and rationalized by something beyond my mere existence, right? So whether or not my existence is a pleasant one or an unpleasant one is not in and of itself the point. The point is whether it is, use a fancy word, a noble existence, a worthwhile existence, right? It's in the service of something significant and important and meaningful. So now you have a person who has a sense that the value in the existence comes from something higher and true and deeper than themselves, and through that they've come to a sense that that made them receptive to the desires of the godless soul. And as a result of that, they've purged themselves from a desire for things other than God. But they're still aware of all the stuff in the world that is not God. They're just now, they're now, the way they value those things is the role it plays in serving God, no desire for the things themselves. Now, is that very different from how you and I experience the world? Of course it's very different from how you and I experience the world. But the person's not going to drop dead because of it. In fact, the person's probably going to be a lot more rational about what they choose to do and not to do. Because the value that they place on something is never in that thing, it's in how it fits into the grand scheme of serving God. So would this person ever eat just because it tastes good? Would they ever would they ever be a little dishonest because they can make a little bit more money? No. But they but they would but it would but they would see their existence as in the service of something and therefore they would regulate their existence and govern their own existence as it plays a role in the service of that higher value there's no the role of balance
1: there?
0: there's no balance that's the honest truth there's no balance here so it's this is this is this is the this is the result that, that what has happened here is that if you we go all this, what we're describing is a situation where the godly soul has used the rational soul to conquer the animal soul. So that now the animal soul, the parts of it that are not compatible with the godly soul are replaced, removed, and all that's left is the way in which the animal soul can be of use. The parts that are intrinsically neutral and could be useful or not. It's a war of conquest, like the Jewish people taking over the land of Israel, right? It's a war of conquest. Now, at this point the, the animal soul is kicking and screaming that this does not sound like a great idea right the animal soul is like um, I, I, I like just enjoying my existence which is why is, the, is, the, is, is who's the one that actually has to wage this war
1: rational.
0: the rational soul right the rational soul is the part of the person that even before the godly soul shows up on the scene is not impressed with the idea well it's unpleasant like so what like, not a cow What's doing things that are hard Right? The rational soul, that just doesn't matter to the rational soul if something's unpleasant. The question is, is it really a value? Is it really important? Does it have some sort of meaning that would give purpose and justification to my existence? You're saying
1: conspiring against the desires
0: that the animal soul has? Yeah, so remember going back to what I said, before you get to a Jew, even a non-Jew has a conflict between the rational soul and the animal soul, right? The rational soul wants to live a life that seems justified, and the animal soul wants to has a desire to live a life that is pleasant in its experience. So there's a tension there. For sure there's a tension there. We're just augmenting that conflict by saying that the rational soul now can actually be used as a proxy for the, by the godly soul. And so the part of the animal soul that is being labeled as evil is the part that flies against the godly soul. Now, it could be the rational soul and the animal soul might come to a compromise on their own because like, it could be like, you know, you find meaning in life in saving the whales, right? And like, eating an apple doesn't really contradict saving the whales, right? So it's like the desire to eat the apple, not the act of eating the apple, the desire to eat the apple, the desire to, and like, saving the whales don't seem to be in such tension. But for the godly soul, since the godly soul's desire is for God and God alone, the alone part is critical to that. God is an absolute. God is exclusive. There's no room for anything else. Okay. Now let's move away from things like food and money and talk about something else. What about, the, would such a person be able to have a, a marriage, be a parent, be a friend? No. Not if you're really not in the
1: way that's being described as Why? Because there will always be elements that.
0: Very good, right? I keep avoiding that, right? That's a big... Like, right? We're saying, oh, God, just God. But, but, but what does that mean? We didn't fill that in, right? For instance, is it godly to be indifferent to someone's suffering? Because if it's not, well, then this person would definitely not be indifferent to someone else's suffering, right? They'd be quite compassionate. Right? The, the problem with the problem with my description is that I haven't fleshed out in any way what it... what it, what it looks like to desire God in reality. We're just saying that things that the apple isn't God. Desiring the apple is not the same thing as desiring God, okay? So let's just start with a basic observation. Every human being is created in. So therefore, would a, a, such a person would have a tremendous value, a tremendous desire a tremendous appreciation for the what of every person. The what? The goodness. The inherent inherent goodness of the divine image in every person. Now, in some people, that divine image is probably quite hidden, right? So this person would feel a tremendous amount of compassion for that person, desire to help bring that out, right? A tremendous amount of, of probably bitterness relative to the stuff that's covering them, corrupting the divine image, right? But that person would not be indifferent to other people. In fact, that other person probably relate to other people in a deeper way because they would have a deeper sense of what it is to be a person. Okay? Would this person value money more or less than the rest of us?
1: dependence.
0: So, okay. How valuable is ten avarote, Right, that's the smallest coin, how valuable is that? Not very. Not? You sure? What can you do with ten agarot? You can give it, you can give it. Tzedakah. How valuable is one act of tzedakah? Huge, transform, could transform the entire universe, right? On the other hand, if I don't think about the agarot, the money in a, from a godly perspective, I think about it from a pure economic perspective. Well, how much is, can I do with ten agarot? I can't even buy myself like one individual biscuit in the shuk, right? Like, well, can I have one biscuit? I'll give you ten, don't do it. <laughs> So, it turns out that this person might actually value their money much more than the rest of us, but what they're valuing in it is very, coming from a very different place, right? Um, there's a famous story that Yaakov was traveling with his family and he left some stuff on the other side of the river. He had to go back and get it. Does anyone know what he left on the other side of the river? So I'm going to use it. Con- I'm going to u- I'm using contemporary terms. If you were put it in contemporary terms, what did he leave? <laughs> what kind of containers? Can, I want this is not real but this is just an analogy for, in modern terms what did he leave her what kind of containers what right like little Tupperwares like have you ever like left the, you like you like ever like left the Tupperware at like the hotel room do you go back for that Yes. Mm. right okay. <laughs> most, most people don't go back for the Tupperware why not <laughs> they don't value it. it's it's yeah <laughs> Tupperware is like is it really worth going all the way back so why do you go back for his little Tupperware why because What? Yeah, there's, there's, there's some When you understand that something has a divine purpose to it, right? Well, that divine purpose is not weighed merely in terms of your functional economic utility. So, our sages say that a tzaddik values their money more than regular people do. On the other hand, money that the Torah says doesn't belong to them, do they have any use for No. Because there's nothing godly about that. So it's not that they all of a sudden become this like mystic en- enchanted with otherworldliness. It's just their whole take on reality is different. Because the only thing that the person desires is God. And so the question is, well, what does it mean to encounter God in the world? And then they they, they, they they value everything from that point of view. But there's no desire for anything other in and of itself. But now encountering God in human relationship is not to treat a person like an inanimate object. Encountering God in a human relationship is to have a deep sense of the image of the image of God innate in every human being, the godly soul in every Jew, etc etc, etc. And so that goes along with things like. Respect and compassion and kindness and all these things, and not just as mere performative acts, but as things that are genuinely felt. Yeah. Who's more upset about infertility, this person or regular person? The person that we described in the text or a regular person? Probably
1: this person.
0: This person. Why is a regular person disturbed by infertility? They want to have kids, the children mean something to their limited human experience, right? This person has a sense of the divine imperative, right? To be fruitful and multiply. They have a sense of the infinite worth of the child. So who's more distraught? In other words, what I want you to understand, if you take what what the text has said and you understand the problem, Place in these words, what what these words really mean? We are not talking about a person becoming more robotic, becoming more um, tech, you know, pragmatic and technical. We're talking about replacing one mode of desire with an entirely different mode of desire, and the other mode of desire is much more absolute, much more intense. Everything takes on infinite significance to this person's life. A tragedy is an infinite tragedy. A triumph is an infinite triumph. Compassion, because everything is, everything is, the desire and everything is how that thing is an encounter with God. Not how that thing is a limited, finite, created entity, a created experience. Now, this is very important. What happens if you just try to get rid of the evil in your animal soul, but you don't actually... But not in the context we're describing here, then what happens, the person becomes a shell, they become empty, right? And eventually they would just like stop caring about anything and die, which is really bad. You're saying if they were to kill the animal soul
1: without developing... They're
0: if they were to get rid of the desires of the animal soul as an activity into of its, in and of itself. In, instead of doing what at the same time? Instead, not at the same time, instead of what do the texts say, is that the rational soul, becomes a disciple of the godless soul. And then, from that place, it's trying to get rid of the elements of the animal soul which are interfering, right? And we do this all the time on all levels. There are things you desire a lot, and there are things that you desire a little. And sometimes the things you desire a little are getting in the way of the things you desire a lot, right? So what do we try to do? Something is really, really interesting. And you really want to pay attention, but something else is really also interesting and in distracting you, right? That's not pleasant, right? So what do we do? We try balance between the two.
1: Really
0: we try to like somehow get rid of the distracting element, but this is um, this is in a much more intense way, right? But the, the the thing here is, what I want you to understand is, is if the animal soul hears this, all the animal soul hears is the loss of. Its element of desire. Is the animal really hearing the other side of the equation? What's really happening? Let me give you a, a metaphor. Let's say you have a bag um, that is full of emeralds. How would you feel if somebody dumped out that bag?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they took your bag and they just dumped all the animals out in the trash. You would probably be too happy, right? Yeah. Why not? It's valuable, it's expensive. It's valuable, it's expensive, right? Now imagine to just make matters worse, they stuffed it full of paper and handed it to you. Maybe really ticked off. Like that's just that's just like just just being spiteful. Now, what if on the paper it was written all sorts of interesting things, like. I don't know, one of the papers was a document making you the owner of Google. And another paper was, I don't know, a document making you the owner of Amazon, right? And stuff like that. Now how would you feel? Yeah. Different, right? <laughs> but you would have to stop thinking about the object in the bag itself and what that object means in an entirely different context, right? It's a legal document, right? Which, if you're an adult, you could do, but if you're a little child, okay. like, where are all my sparkly stuff? So the animal soul has a problem. And the animal soul is very comfortable with its notion of desire, right? And then, But what our text is describing is that the rational soul is trying to get rid of that notion of desire, not because it's anti-desire per se, but because it's trying to replace it with a more profound desire, a more true desire, a more absolute desire, and a more uncompromising desire, a, more, a desire which is infinite in reach and scope, which is the desire for God. And God alone. Now, where does the origin of that desire? Not the rational soul, the godly soul, but the rational soul is the one trying to bring that and live in that place. And so the other desires of the animal soul are now getting in the way. And so it's trying to eradicate those desires. But the rest of the animal soul, its ability to make the body a functional entity, so that I know when I'm hungry, I know what my bo- I can coordinate my limbs, I can see the world around me, that is no problem. And the rational soul is no problem with that either. Well it's not agreement anymore because the animal soul ceases to be someone who has an opinion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like you and your it's like you and the chair are not really in agreement, are you? You wouldn't think about it that way. No. I mean you're not anti the chair, it's just the chair's just not it doesn't it's not it, 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 it's not a party to the discussion. Can I ask you a
1: question? Yes.
0: rational soul that has to do all the work here okay so now that's a pretty intense transformation of a human being right We will agree on that that if a person did what the text has described there would be a radically different kind of being than we're yes. used to yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Okay. later on the author of says well, he brings up a statement of Hillel the great sage Hillel where Hillel at the end of class says I have to go be kind to the poor creature and then they saw him eating lunch. Now, I just say, I want to go eat because I want lunch. But Hillel couldn't say that he wanted lunch because did Hillel want lunch? No, Hillel wanted God. But this creature that he inhabits in order to connect to God needs food. And it's not a mitzvah to deprive it of food right now. And so he's better for, you know, go feed it. You know, The coachman feeds his horses, right? Hillel feeds his body. Very different notion of living, right? Okay. So what would you call such a person? Maybe like a perfect tzaddik, right? Like there's nothing greater than this. So let's look in the text. Let's read just from the beginning so we get the flow. Behold, when a person fortifies his divine soul and wages war against his animal soul to such an extent that he expels and eradicates its evil from the left part as is written and you shall root out the evil from within you yet the evil is not actually converted to goodness he is called incompletely righteous so everything we are described does that make you a perfectly righteous person? no you're incompletely righteous why are you incompletely righteous? like why are you incompletely righteous? There's
1: a word in what? There's a inside
0: what did the text say? The person did something, yet they didn't do something else. The evil is not actually
1: converted to
0: evil. They eradicated the evil, they did
1: not
0: convert. To convert the evil. In other words, the animal soul has this capacity for desire. What has this person done? They've replaced what a
1: desire. The,
0: the, no. the, the animal soul's capacity for desire with the rational soul, godly soul's desire, right? I mean, they've banished it. They've exiled that. But so that that capacity of the animal soul, is it actually serving God? Is the animal soul actually serve, is it, is in its entirety serving God? No. There's a part of it which has been no.
1: suppressed.
0: What? There's suppressed. suppressed. So there's a part of it that's been suppressed, right? We're going to go with, in the text, we'll go into more specifically what that means. So, in order to be a completely righteous person, what would have to happen? And we need to be converted. Right? We need to be transformed. Okay, and this is called a righteous man who suffers. Now, there's a bit of an issue with this translation. Um, so in Hebrew, there's a word called ra. What does ra mean? Bad. Bad. Okay. So if I say the Hebrew phrase ra loy, what does that Hebrew Bad. phrase mean? bad for him, right? In English, we have a fancy word for that. Someone is. Some, something bad is happening for someone. who say he is? Suffering. Suffering. Right? Um, but what is the... But bad for him just means that there is bad. And he has it, right? And the czar actually explains that that you can read the word it's bad for him, meaning the bad has been subdued to him. It's been subjugated to him. It's been bent to his will. Right? Okay um in the way in which you would say that the 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 that, um, you have if you, if you when you have an like a horse and you break the horse in so now the horse does what you want right you have control over the horse the horse isn't running off doing its own thing so the idea is this person still has the animal soul's desires but they are been mastered they've been Controlled. They have been suppressed, subdued. We're going to go into the what it is. So the idea here is not that this person is suffering and they're miserable. The idea is that have they really become free of the evil? No, they haven't really become free of the evil, because that part of the that part of the animal soul which desires things other than God still desires things other than God. It's just been banished. It's just been um, cast out from the person's functional psyche. It's been relegated to some dark corner of their existence. That doesn't, it sounds like you put a kid in timeout, right? So what do you accomplish when you put a kid in timeout? You have removed them from the scene of where everything is happening, right? Does that mean all of a sudden the kid is now transformed to be an angelic person? Yeah. So what has this person done? Have they really changed the evil of the animal soul into something? positive, have they it redeemed its negativity? No, what they've done is they've taken that negativity and made it irrelevant. I'll give you an example, just a physical example. Um, have you ever had a physical discomfort and it like really bothers you? But if you do something really interesting and it stops bothering you, like you're sick you watch a good movie, right? or something like that. What it's happens? Still there your yeah, you, yeah you reply, you're like, you're no longer, like it's become irrelevant, right? But it's still there. You haven't changed it fundamentally. So has this person actually in any way addressed the fundamental issue that the animal soul desires these other than God? They haven't changed that fact in any way. They've just made it irrelevant to their experience of life. In order for a person to be completely righteous, what would they have to do? Not only would the, Rational soul have to be a disciple of the godly soul or the animal soul have to become? A
1: disciple
0: disciple of which soul? Not directly. Of the rational soul. And then that person would be?
1: be Completely
0: righteous. Now, that's what the text is going to go on to explain through the most of the chapter. What that really means, what that looks like, how that, what the difference between these two processes are. Okay. So you have two kinds of tzaddik. There's a tzaddik who's incomplete, and there's still the evil within them. And there's the tzaddik that's complete. And there is no longer evil within them. It's been transformed into good. Okay, and what is the evil? The evil is the fact that the animal soul has desires for things that are not God. Which is evil from what point of view? From the godly soul's point of view. Okay? It's not evil from like a regular ethicist. point of view. What's so bad about desiring to eat an apple? Right? What? Now, a practical consequence of this is that um, if you're going to work on this whole project, what's the starting point? Getting in touch
1: with. becoming a student of the godly soul.
0: Before that.
1: Um, there's
0: a wonderful Yiddish expression being a mensch. Being a mensch, being a person. Step one is you have to actually be. Mench, a person, meaning you have to be someone who's trying to live a life that is
1: meaningful.
0: meaningful, justified, that the value in life is not how it feels in the moment, but what it's in the service of. Because right? if you're not living in that place of being a real human being, being a mensch, then the whole thing is not gonna happen, can't happen to the human. Then step two is making, the, making yourself as a person a disciple of your godly soul. Then step three would be what? Fighting that war against the evil in the yeah. animal soul. And possibly there is another step which is somehow transforming it, we're not sure because we haven't learned that. Okay. Okay. Now, the reason why I'm outlining that is even though, as the altar was gonna say later on in Tanya, that, that it is not a um, expectation that everyone attain what is described in chapter 10, the process of attaining what is an expectation of everybody is follows the same basic framework. It just doesn't lead to the same result. Okay, so just to use a very simple example, um, two people run a business. One person becomes a billionaire and the other person makes a decent living. Are they doing two th- things that are fundamentally different? No. no, running a business involves having a business plan, making sure you evaluate it. You know, managing your human resources, like there's, it's the same thing. Just one person is achieving far greater success, right? But but the basic notion of how to run a business successfully is not fundamentally different one than the other. So which means, even though I'm not going to become a tzaddik, what's going to be the basic structure of how I should live my life is number one, I need to be a manager person. Number two, I need to then try and be a person who is a disciple of my godly soul. Right? And then from that place, I then evaluate the animal soul and deal with the animal soul. And if I don't get to that place of banishing the animal soul's desires to some you know, you know, little closet in the recesses of my psyche that's irrelevant, that doesn't matter. I'm mean, still the same dynamic. Okay? But there is no place for really directly outright attacking the animal soul as like a thing in and of itself. That's kind of silly. It won't work. The third, the third step would be to wage war against the animal soul. Step one is be a person. Step two is the person be the disciple of the animal godless soul. Step three is then fighting war against the animal soul. And what's going to differentiate between the tzaddik and the non-tzaddik and the incomplete tzaddik and the complete tzaddik is the degree of success of that war. Do you banish the evil? Incomplete tzaddik. You transform the evil, complete sighted. Or maybe you don't even banish the evil, but you are able to keep it within a certain level of control, mitigate its influence. Okay, so maybe you're not a Tzadlik at all, but... Why would you not make... I mean, the
1: way you describe this it is it's always like steps. You first, make the rational soul a cycle of the godly soul, right? And then maybe, if you're lucky, the animal soul a cycle of the rational soul. Why can't you be it in both? Is it... Does it have to be like
0: that? Yeah. Because you you can't fight against the animal soul unless you really are coming from a godly perspective. And you can't come from a godly perspective unless you've really internalized that perspective. Well, what you can do is realize also that a person has layers to them. So you could say, there's a layer of, there's a degree to which I've internalized my godly soul, and to that degree, I can fight my animal soul. But, they, but the, the, the conflict to the, between the godly soul and the animal soul runs deeper, but I'm not on that level of depth. Okay, that makes sense. Right, so the steps are quite rigid in their order, but, you can ha- but but you can have it to the degree. So the degree to which I've internalized my godly soul. They're, so the degree to which I'm a person, I'm a mensch, I'm approaching life in that rational, mature way, is the degree to which I can internalize my ration, my godly soul, which is the degree to which I can fight against my animal soul. Even mensch pain comes before God, like why? Because God, you would think Godly,
1: like being a to your godly soul is- because,
0: because, because it's only the fact that a person has a sense life needs to be justified. I'm not a cow. There's something more than just mere existing and enjoying my existence that makes them receptive and open to the Godly the message of the Godly soul. So if you're not living that, you're not living as a person, as a mensch, right, as, 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 as someone in the in the, right, the basic notion of the image of God, which is the rational soul, then you're not receptive to the Godly soul. Then the Godly soul is either just a you know you know an overpowering mystical experience or Jewish guilt or you know, or, or, or a moment of self-sacrifice, or whatever. But, it, but it's not something you can really be receptive to in internal life Because you're not living life that, from that place. And the student who's interested in mathematics can become, can study under a world-class mathematician and become an expert in mathematics. Same with art, art, music, music, etc. But if you're not into the thing, you can never be a disciple of the master. No work.
1: A perfect Zadig, did he, Make the desires of the animal soul desires of God. Yes. So he's basically
0: trying to turn it into a second godly soul. No, because there's still going to be a difference into it in between them. Um, but we'll get to that maybe later. The the just like the rational souls' desiring of God is only an approximation. Of the godly souls' desiring of God it's not exactly the same thing. So this is going to be also. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Um. All right. The dynamic clear? Okay. What, what I want everyone to take away from this, because we're going to start moving on and start talking, about what, we're going to finish this paragraph, and then he's going to start explaining and stuff. What I want everyone to understand that, although we're talking about very lofty things that would seem to be very extreme things, but I want everyone to understand there's a continuity to something that is actually very much relevant to every person. In other the basic dynamic is something that's relevant to every person. And what this is talking about is what, what happens when you excel. What is, the, what is the ultimate theoretical potential of taking this dynamic of being a person, being receptive to your Godly soul, and then, and then fighting against your animal soul from that place. Where could that, in theory, ultimately lead a person to have taken to the end? Okay. So, see this as the, the end of a process that we can all begin rather than something that we have no relationship with. Because if you understand it that way, the rest of time you make sense. If you don't understand it that way, the rest of time you will not make a lot of sense. It certainly won't feel very applicable. Good? Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you.